Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to give them the tools to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to lean more towards the making yourself as successful as possible. And this is going to be so much fun because it's a little bit different than what we have talked about with all my other guests. And I love that. I love it when I get to learn from my guests. This is so much fun. I always love doing that. But it is something that as I was getting ready for this program, I was saying, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. And so please join me in welcoming Mark Miller to our program today. Hi, Mark. Well, it's great to be here, Deb. You know, this really is going to be very interesting. But before we jump in, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Mark Miller is the founder of Career Pivot, which helps those in the second half of life design careers that they can grow into for the next 30 years. Mark wrote the book Repurpose Your Career, a practical guide for the second half of life, which was published in April of 2017. Mark was recently honored to be on the nextavenue.org list of the top top 50 influencers in aging for 2017. So again, Mark, welcome to our program. Well, as I said, it's always great to be mile high. I know, I know, you know, you got to love that. Except the funny thing is we are just multi-location here because I'm in Atlanta and you're in Austin. And of course, the station is in Denver. So, you know, that's that's really one of the cool things about technology. Well, it's kind of like we're doing this on, you know, free software over the Internet. Right. We couldn't do this 10 years ago. No, no, we couldn't really do this five years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's what is so cool. And actually, that's one of the things you talk about in your book. And again, your book is called Repurpose Your Career, A Practical Guide for the Second Half of Life. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about why technology is part of your book. But let's take a couple steps back first. So career pivot. What made you decide on getting into this area? Why the name? All that good stuff. Sure. Well, I have been what I refer to as a professional career changer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I'm on my seventh career. Uh-huh. And, and by the way, I'm 61, so I'm a, I'm a mid ba- mid midway baby boomer. Mm-hmm. And I... I, I worked for IBM for 22 years. I joked the fact that I was raised to be an employee, to go work for a father-like company that would support me, and 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 I would be able to stay there for 30 years, right. and after I would eventually be able to retire. Unfortunately, three quarters of the way through, they moved my cheese. Oh no! So at well, after 22 years, the IBM screwed me in my pension. Mm-hmm. I pick I picked up and left. Uh, went to work for a successful tech startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in July 11th of 2002, I'm a big-time cyclist, came down a hill at about 50, 25 miles an hour. Unfortunately, when I got, got, I turned into a blind turn, there was a Toyota Corolla going about equal speeds. Ooh. And so I totaled a 96 Toyota Corolla with my body and my bicycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent five days in the trauma center. Mm-hmm. I... Torp a knee, I broke a hip, I dislocated his shoulder, broke a oh, bunch of ribs, mm-hmm. I had imprints the pads of the helmet in my head, mm-hmm. and I had no internal injuries and no brain injuries oh. I'm willing to admit to. Nice. <laughs> and um, they had me walking on crutches in three days. I was back on a bike in 10 weeks, flying back to China in four months. Wow. Oh, by the way, I flew right smack into the middle of the SARS epidemic. Oh, no. Or flu. Mm-hmm. And that was what I refer to as my WTF moment. Uh-huh. Why am I doing this? Right. Uh, my first tech startup, I was 46. We were debt-free. Son was off to college. His college was funded. Mm-hmm. So I went off to teach high school math. Mm-hmm. And I did that for two years. Couldn't do that and stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I came out, and that's the first time in my career I've ever really been lost. Mm-hmm. Financially, we're okay. I had to go back to work, but 
uh, got involved with the Job Club Launchpad uh, mm-hmm. here, and that's where I saw so many of my friends being wiped out in mm-hmm. first the dot com bust. Mm-hmm. I then said, okay, um, I I would go work for a nonprofit, so I did a year at the Jewish Community Center doing corporate uh, corporate fundraising. Mm-hmm. Uh, I joke, being a non-Jew, mm-hmm. being the face of a Jewish organization is... That's a little different. <laughs> well, I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. Grew up okay. in an entirely Jewish neighborhood. Uh-huh. We used to get Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur you, you could walk holidays. the walk. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I then got sucked up into another startup in 2007. So my timing at both my startups couldn't have been better. Mm-hmm. I wrote out both recessions mm-hmm. as successful tech startups. Mm-hmm. At the same time where I'm watching everybody else, all my friends getting wiped out. Right. And so that's in 2009, I started doing my market research and I came up with the term pivot because if I look back at all my career changes, Mm -hmm. every one of them has been a half step career change. In other words, I had one foot in the old world. I had Mm -hmm. one foot in the new world. And there was always a relationship that took me across. So the idea here is I never did it alone and I did it incrementally. And so I look, I'm a recovering engineer. Yes, there's a 12 step program for that. I put things in systems. So I came up with when I started doing the branding with a branding, we came up with the term career pivot because it's Mm -hmm. a. It's an incremental step. Right. The fact is most of us, when we reach our later years, Mm -hmm. we have these things called mortgages and kids to put through college Mm -hmm. and we got food on the table. We can't take these big, huge risks and suddenly saying, I want to be a pastry chef. We have responsibilities and we have bills to pay. That's right. And so... Making these changes incrementally and systematically and purposely is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we came up with pivot. You know, I, you know, my tagline is career pivot, repurpose your career. Mm-hmm. The reality is most, we, we are branded in two ways. Mm-hmm. We are branded by our, business acumen our skill set okay and we're branded by the industry we work in hmm. okay mm-hmm. reality is you can you, it's i can change one and make it pivot mm-hmm. changing two is almost impossible mm-hmm. and it's just like saying it's like going from an accountant to a pastry chef i'm right, sorry right. It, it just doesn't work mm-hmm. but Using the example of Elizabeth Rabe, who's my intern, mm-hmm. uh, or she was my intern. She's in her mid fifties, and you know she was she was on my episode twenty of my podcast, mm-hmm. of where I had her explain she had been in um, uh, environmental engineering. Mm-hmm. She'd done air and water permitting for God knows twenty some odd years. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we moved her within the same company. Mm-hmm into a marketing and business development ah. uh, position in the air, air quality, you know, within the same company. Mm-hmm. We, since she has moved into a pure marketing role at a mining equipment company. Okay. So the joke is if you have big rocks in your yard, she can help. She can sell. <laughs> but she, she knew from her experience in, in, uh, in, in air quality and environmental engineering, she knew what rock crushers were and she knew right. what conveyor belts were and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And the next step is to move her probably into something completely different in her marketing role. Okay. You know, into a different industry. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're incrementally moving along. Right. And the idea is you repurpose one at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I love that concept because I think so many people, when they get to be, say, our age or, you know, uh, younger, because, you know, it is happening more and more frequently where people are thinking, oh, my gosh, this was not really what I wanted to be doing. We go into this. Here's what I would be if I could be anything in the world. 
And and we don't have that knowledge base. We don't have those skill sets, you know, all those various things because we have either limited knowledge about what that industry really is. We've got the rose colored glasses about what that that really is, you know, and all these various things. And so I love the fact that you talk about the fact that, you know, you you have one foot in the past as you're going into the future. So you're building on the skills and knowledge and expertise that you already have to go into this next phase. Yes, there is one of the things you have to think about is why did you choose your career path in the first place? Right. Many times some went off and did exactly what they were told by the parents. Mm-hmm. I don't I can't tell you the number of lawyers I've met who are lawyers because their parents were right. lawyers. Right. And especially baby boomers. I mean that yes. really is something where you went into the family business or you followed those expectations of what your family said was the right thing to do. Yeah, I I have had a number of clients who have been in sales. And why did they get into sales? Because someone told them when they were 25, wow, you'd be good in sales. Right. And they didn't really know what else to do, so they thought, okay, I'll go do sales. And so you end up walking down this path, and the reality is, Stuff is changing, and it's changing fast. Mm -hmm. So I'll use the example, if you're a B2B salesperson, Mm -hmm. wow, that has moved online and has become almost, I won't say obsolete, but it's disappearing. Right. So I always like to say, particularly in this day and age, if you think your career path is safe from automation, AI, and robotics. Mm-hmm. You are smoking something, and yes, you are inhaling. Right. Because all of this will be affected. Mm-hmm. I mean, the classic example is I've been working with a couple of IT professionals. IT, traditional IT, which is what I came out of, mm-hmm. is disappearing due to the cloud. Right. And it's like, you have to be able to say, okay, this is disappearing. What am I going to do? How do I pivot out of here before it goes away? Right. And what are those skills and that knowledge that allow you to go into that next career? Correct. And I like I'm using an example. I've, I've been working with a couple of folks who are, I like to say, in career disaster areas. Mm-hmm. They are, I have two of them that are 65, Mm -hmm. and what they did does not exist anymore. And it's disappeared in the last three to five years. Mm -hmm. And it's slowly moving them into uh, not necessarily the most lucrative places, but where they can continue to have fun, make some money, and get on to that next thing. Right. But the, the idea is, you better be watching and paying attention. You know, it's it's kind of like you know, I joke, you know, we were talking about your husband before before we got on the call. Mm-hmm. People who stay with the same company for you know twenty and thirty years, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, they're eventually push them out. Right, because at some point they have a salary big enough that people go, hmm, <laughs> do we really need them? That's right, and. And I mean, I've had several clients who say, you know, I, I now preach if you take a new job at 18 months, you start looking for your next job. Mm-hmm. And I've had various people go, well, what happened to loyalty? And I'm going, screw loyalty. Right. They're not loyal to you. No. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to leave. Mm-hmm. What it means is that 18 months, you're going to start looking again. I do a presentation called looking at your career from a turkey's perspective. And the, the concept is turkeys are born into sterile environments. Mm-hmm. They are for three years. They're wonderfully taken care of. Mm-hmm. Every day is better than the last. Right. Except in that third year on the fourth Thursday of November. I know. And then it's like, uh-oh. Oh, it's no. not so good. <laughs> so the idea is when bad stuff happens... And it's not 
if, it's when mm-hmm. you are prepared. Right. And what are you going to do next? Mm-hmm. And no, no. go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, mm-hmm. it's it's about understanding who you are mm-hmm. and understanding as we grow and we evolve. You know, a lot of us don't always want to do the same thing we've always done. Right. And you finally reach a point. So one of, in fact, in my next edition of the book, I'm going to do a series of chapters on the fact that when most of us went to work, we became actors. Mm -hmm. We play roles. Right. Now, what happens is, is over time, we get into that role so much that we start believing we are that role. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like, you know, any number of actors uh, who, you know, they, they get into the, the, the role and they don't come out of it until the, till the, you know, the shooting is over. Right. Yes. Right. And well, we do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I said, so I worked for IBM for 22 years. I spent a lot of my career as a public speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a. I was a geek that could speak, or an articulate techno wing, which we know is oxymoron. Mm-hmm. I am actually a closet introvert. Mm. I am actually very introverted. Mm-hmm. I I do not get energy from being in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. Now you get me up on stage, and I'm really good. Mm-hmm. But when I walk off the stage, my knees buckle. Mm-hmm. I you took everything you had. You got it. Mm-hmm. Now, number one, I convinced myself that I was an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Like I talked about, when I went off to teach high school math, mm-hmm. I was incredibly successful. It was exhausting. Mm-hmm. I, after two years, I couldn't do that and stay healthy. Right. And, but I convinced myself that I could do that. Mm-hmm. No, I couldn't. Well, and that's where we all get trapped because we either think, you know, we have to do what's expected. You know, we, we mentioned that before. Or we don't, we don't know ourselves maybe well enough to figure out that really isn't what I should be doing. And it's funny because when we interact with somebody like that, you come away from the meeting or, you know, whatever it is, and you go, you just know there's some kind of little mismatch there. Whether it's, you know, that, that they didn't sell the product. You know, you talk about a salesperson. You know, maybe they didn't quite have that sales pitch down or, you know, all these various things. And we intuit when we meet those people that there's something wrong, but we don't catch it in ourselves. And, and you know, a big part of it is exactly what we were saying, the responsibilities, the expectations. And that is particularly true of baby boomers. I mean, you know, we were raised and I'm, I'm at the tail end of being a baby boomer. And, you know, we were raised that you went to college. Now, it was still a little iffy for girls, you know, to, to go to college, for you know, of my, my generation. But, you know, we went to school and, you know, but you found a husband. I mean, you know, that really was the, the thing for women. And then we had that career forever, you know, and you didn't question it. You didn't say you didn't like it. You didn't, you know, because if you did, it meant you were a failure. And, you know, and, and that was the, the hard thing that we were trying to get around. And so I find it so interesting when I talk with Generation X and millennials and people like that who are like, well, yeah, I do change job every 18 months. Sometimes it's within the same company. Sometimes it's a totally different job. You know, and, and so it's kind of interesting to watch them flit <laughs> from from place to place. But, you know, as baby boomers, we are taught that you do this, you do it without complaining, and you do it until the day you retire. And, you know, and that's, it, it's very different. There's, there's, you know, there's got to be a reason why so many baby boomers have ulcers and they get sick. And, you know, heaven forbid, you know, we've got high suicide rates, things like that. And it is because of these expectations. And we're not, I mean, I hate to get all, you know, kumbaya here, but we're not kind of paying attention to our inner soul. And, you know, and, and, and that's that really is kind of what it comes down to is, you know, what what are you supposed to be doing with what you're supposed to be doing? 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like right now we were raised. It says, you know, go to work, mm-hmm. get a job, go support your family. And oh, by the way, after 35 years, you can retire and you, you'll be happy. Right. And you'll well, get a pension. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and the answer is, well, you know, when the idea of retirement, retirement's a relatively new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way I like to express it is, back in 19, January 1, 1960, there was a great visionary, a guy named Del Webb. Mm-hmm. On January 1, 1960, he opened up the first Sun City mm-hmm. in Sun City, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And on January 1, he had 10,000 cars coming wow. in to visit. By the way, he only had six model homes in a strip mall. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think about those 10,000 cars, how many of those cars were filled with people who smoked? Right. Mm -hmm. Probably 95%. Mm -hmm. Right, because that demographic did. Right. They smoked. And by the way, at 65, they were going to live 10 more years. Mm -hmm. Because they smoked and they had their evening cocktails. and Yep. Mm -hmm. So today, if you're... uh, I had an insurance guy explain to me, if you're a married couple, 65, the odds of one of you living to 100 is like 70 or 80%. Yeah. Right? So, okay, you're going to stop working at 65 or earlier, and you're not going to do something mm-hmm. for 30-plus years? Right. Uh, number one, your money ain't going to last that long. Mm-hmm. Two, um you're going to be bored if, out of your mind. If you don't have a meaning, mm-hmm. a purpose, mm-hmm. for most of us, that's deadly. Right. And so, you know, I, you know, my philosophy right now is I don't ever plan to retire. Mm-hmm. I want to work less or I want to work on my terms mm-hmm. and something I enjoy when I want to work. Right. And so it comes down to I want control. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm opening up, I'm, I'm building an online community for those of us in the second half of life. Mm-hmm. And my first cohort I brought in, by the way, I've developed curriculum in 40 different countries. Wow. And one of the things I learned a long time ago, no matter who I think the audience is, mm-hmm. I'm always wrong. I know. It's, it's some, <laughs> there's somewhere different in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've got these 14 people who are coming and tell me and what, what most of them want is they want control. Mm-hmm. They want the they want accountability, mm-hmm. but more importantly, they want their horizons broadened. Right. So one of the things, one of my goals of the community is getting people to go. I can do that. Really? Mm-hmm. I can do that. Right. There are all kinds of ways now to be able to have fulfillment, make money. And not have to work for the man. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately for many, this is, wow, I, I can do that? Mm-hmm. These are kind of new concepts. Right. Because that's not what our parents did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I use the example. I, I, did, I did an episode on my podcast called How Mark Wrote Three Books Without Ever Writing a Book. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, wait a minute, you can do that? And it's like, right. yeah. Uh-huh. I wrote my blog. I, I, I write everything in my blog. Mm-hmm. I turn it over to my ghostwriter, Susan Leahy, mm-hmm. and she turns it into a book. It's really? my material. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm a recovery engineer. I'm not an author. Mm-hmm. I'm not a writer. I'm a professional speaker. Right. But you know, it's kind of like I wrote an article for... um. um U.S. News and World Report about three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it in first person. Hmm. They sent it back to me and said, you need to write this in third person. And I went, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. So I handed it to my editor. I said, turn this in third person because uh, second person, yeah. third person. Uh, and she went poof and made it happen. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the point here is it's a ma- it's it's about broadening the horizons of what is possible mm-hmm. and and start kind of 
getting rid of our preconceived ideas. Mm-hmm. I have a whole chapter in the book on MSU syndrome. Right. Called Make Stuff Up. Mm-hmm. Which we do constantly. Right. But it's it's going, well, you can't do that. And why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, because. Uh, because, well, no one does that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, they do. Right. And and just because no one does it, why can't I do it? That's right. And so we, you know, just the kind of, well, <laughs> like we were talking, well, it's, um, I would, I, <laughs> I, we're looking at moving to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I, two weeks ago, I was in a hee <laughs> Mexico. I was being interviewed over a, a Zoom call, mm-hmm. shooting video. I was doing it on my iPhone 6. Mm-hmm. In Mexico, being interviewed by a guy in 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 uh, in Maine, mm-hmm. and the other gentleman on the interview was in New Zealand. Right. And by the way, the video that we got was really good. Mm-hmm. Wait a we just did that over nearly free software over the internet, and I was using my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. Well, and, and it's funny, you know, I'll, I'll bring us back to what we were talking at the start, and, and, and that is technology makes all these things possible. And you talk in your book about how, you know, no matter what you're doing right now, and, and, and the you I'm talking, talking to are, are we baby boomers, we had better be up on technology and the things that go with it, you know, having a LinkedIn profile, knowing how to, to do Zoom and Facebook live videos and, and all these various things because all those things are catching up to us. And, you know, we we had better be able to show that we can do those things. And and it's interesting when I look at my peers and they say, oh, I, I don't know how to do that. You know, and and, and, and you know, I, I can't do that. And my phone will do that. You know, and, and all these various things. And unfortunately, what it means is when they're trying to go on to the next phase in their career, they don't look qualified, you know, and 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 maybe it is just something as simple as they don't have a good LinkedIn profile and somebody interviewing them either to work with them, you know, as an employee, a consultant or whatever. They look at that and they go, what else do they not know? You know, how how far behind the curve are they? And so it behooves all of us to, as much as possible, stay up on all of this. And that's really intimidating. Well, particularly because we need now to be able to demonstrate what we know Mm -hmm. and not tell people what we know. Right. And so it means things like, oh, I actually have to put stuff out there. Mm -hmm. Yes, you need to publish you need to put stuff out there. Right. Now, part of the problem as a baby boomer is we were raised not to brag. Right. We were raised not to show off. Mm-hmm. And the answer is go do it. Right. Well, and try being a female baby boomer. I mean, we were told that's not polite. That's not ladylike. You don't do those things. You know, at least little boys were taught, you know, okay, they brag about their sports, you know, and and all those various things. But yeah, we were taught you go along, you get along, you know, you you don't want to outshine because that's rude. And you know, and and you can't do that anymore. I mean, you know, if somebody Googles you, what are they going to find? Well, it's, um, it's rather interesting. I have a term for that. It's called being a stealth competitor. Right. Uh, I use the Berkman assessment, which I just adore. And one of the things it'll do is show you how you behave Mm -hmm. and then how you want to be treated. Right. By the way, Myers-Briggs disc, I'll tell you how you behave. Mm -hmm. And what happens, by the way, it's mostly a female trait Mm -hmm. of women who, they're really nice people. They're sweet. They never want anything in return. And mm-hmm. oh, by the way, they get really pissed off right. when they don't get the well, rewards they, don't they get want. A raise, and I didn't get the, you know I didn't get the kudos and the promotion. But that's all right. That's right. And so one of the key things I always kind of promote is if you don't ask for it, 
you won't get it. Right. So one boss of, is not psychic. Right. So the key piece there is what the heck do you want? Mm-hmm. And most of us can't tell you that. Right. So one of the things I do with clientele is I have them go back and say, okay, when did you feel the most valued at work? Mm-hmm. What'd they do? Now, the reality is most of us want some combination of these six things. Mm-hmm. The first one's the mission. I find people in the nonprofit world, the military, if the mission is right, they don't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. Then there's the bonus check, the financial reward. Mm-hmm. Then there is the public recognition, getting the award. The last three don't cost anything, which is the pat in the back from the boss, mm-hmm. your team, or your client. Most of us want two, maybe three of those. Mm-hmm. So what the hell do you want? Right. Right? And then, by the way, you probably need to go ask for it. Mm-hmm. Because... So many bosses think everyone wants to get rewarded the way they do. Right. And or the, the answer way is, that's oh. always worked. Yes. Or what, what has always worked for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll use myself as an example. I'm very high social service. My, what I'm looking for is the pat in the back from my client. Mm-hmm. So my worst jobs were, number one, my first job at IBM where I wrote word processor software this is prior to the IBM PC, mm-hmm. and I never saw anyone use it. Right. It was, it, it, yeah. So were you really even doing anything? Yeah. I mean, it was. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, when I taught high school math, algebra one, algebra two, in an inner city high school, your kids do not come up and tell you how much they love you. No. No. I got crap for you. Now, my mm-hmm. second year, many of my first year kids came back and told me how much they appreciated me. Mm-hmm. But I went a whole year without getting my strokes. Mm-hmm. That was hard. Right. So, okay, when you walk in, are you going to get what you want? Mm-hmm. And in my case, I seduced myself when I went off to teach high school that I could do it. And I had, oh, so many of my needs weren't met. Mm-hmm. I... I joke, I was blissful. I was Mm -hmm. ignorant. Mm -hmm. I made stuff up. Right. And by the way, at the end, after two years, I went, Mm -hmm. Right. And I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. Took me six, nine months to recover. Mm -hmm. Bad bad idea. Mm -hmm. Now, rewarding, you betcha. Mm -hmm. Glad I did it, yes. But I paid for it. You know, and and I love the fact that you talk about, you know, in, in everything you do and, and including the book, knowing what you need, you know, and, and because it, you know, it is, it's, you know, do you, do you need the pat on the back? Do you need the public recognition? Um, you know, are you the type of person that works well in a cubicle with instructions or do you, you know, do you need a lot of interaction? Um, I worked for an agency back in Colorado many years ago and, and it was, you know, your typical ad agency. Everything changed every five minutes. We were putting out fires, you know, and, and to me that was fabulous. I love the fact that I never really knew what I was doing when I went in that morning. You know, I might have an idea because we had deadlines and we had projects, but you know, anything and everything could come up. And one of my coworkers was the opposite of that. I mean, she needed her list of tasks. She needed her list of deadlines. You know, all of these various things. And she made it maybe a year before she just went, no, I can't do this anymore. And, and initially she had thought, oh my gosh, it seems like a great place to be. They have fabulous clients, you know, all those various things. But the reality didn't match, you know, it was, it was a make stuff up thing. You know, the, the reality didn't match what it really was. And she went, you know, she left and she went to work for a company where they did say this week you will be doing A, B, C, D. You will be expected to do one, two, three, four. And she just thought that was the greatest thing in the world. I would have just, I probably wouldn't have made it six months. Um, you know, and, and, but that's the hard part for so many people is 
figuring that out. You know, because again, we we do what's expected of us. We don't make waves, you know, all these various things. And then we wonder why we go home at the end of the day and, you know, have to have four or five drinks just before we can, can calm down or, you know, a, a, a road rage, you know, all these various things. Or maybe you're just not happy, um, you know, and, and, and so many times you, you do, you know, you might actually need to change careers or, you know, places in that company because sometimes that happens. But really, sometimes all you have to do is tell your boss and say, you know, I really need you to do this for me. And if you're a valued employee, they will try really hard to make that happen. Because the worst thing is when they when you leave and then they have to start over. I mean, you know, this they, they, we all know it's better to keep an employee and keep them happy than to, to have to start over. So it, it is about voicing those things and saying, this this is what would make me happy. And not doing it in the, oh, golly, oh. Apologetic type of I'm going to get walked all over no matter what, or confrontational way either. I mean, you know, you shouldn't go in and say oh, I need this and this and this. You know, it's it, because it's a give and take. You know, and and keep in mind too what your boss might need to hear. You know, they might not have known that this. You know, this obviously they didn't. You know, know that that's what you need. But what do they need from you? Yep. And and so, you know and and because it really should be a give and take. Um, you know, and, and, and I love that you walk us through that process in your book to say, you know, what are these things? What, what really in, you know, and, and you don't say this, but I'm doing this in my little air quotes in a perfect world, what would it be like? Um, you know, and it's not going to be perfect, but we can at least move it away from painful closer to perfect. Okay. I want you to think of this like dating and marriage, right? Okay. In other words, I'm going to, I want to go in. It's a two way street mm-hmm. and I want to be able to go in and date a company and say, do I want to work there? Right. So one of the things I do is I arm, I arm my clientele with the top 10 needs that they have. Mm-hmm. I have them write open-ended questions mm-hmm. and they're related to each need. And then I have them write. What are you expecting to hear? Right. Right? So when I ask, you know, tell me about your management style, I know if they say, oh, we're going to measure you every week, I know my first response is goodbye. Ew. 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 (laughs) Uh Right? I know what I'm listening for. Mm -hmm. So, but the key piece here is, and, and, and for many of us, it's more important who we work with and the environment than what we do. Right. So I claim I can give you a great job, one that you love, and put you with a crappy boss, a crappy team, don't reward you, and you'll be miserable. Right. But then I can give you a job you really don't like, but put you with a great team, a great boss, reward you, and you know what? You'll be all right. You may not be happy, but you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So go look for the environment, and that usually leads to certain types of jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going out and playing detective, mm-hmm. and be able to say, okay, uh, it's, it's kind of like I I've, I've been married thirty six, thirty seven years, mm-hmm. so it's been a long time since I dated. But all I remember was I always put my foot forward and it wasn't always authentic and I just hope not to get rejected. Mm-hmm. And rather than saying, okay, here's what I'm looking for. I'm going to make an authentic representation of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you who I am. And by the way, when I accept the job, I'm going to tell you, by the way, if you want to get the most out of Mark, here's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. So one of the classic examples, I, in fact, I'm, I'm working with a, a, a sales guy I used to work with at my last startup, where it's really important that they ask him to do things and they don't tell him. Mm-hmm. Now you say, that's real subtle. What's the difference? The answer is, could you do this versus go do this? Right. It's a huge difference. It, it, you know, it, it's, by the way, it's just a few words and how you word it. Mm-hmm. But it makes for a lot of people, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It's a very subtle change. 
But by the way, if you're constantly ordered around versus being asked, well, you're not going to be happy. Right. Now, there will be some people who are. Um, It's interesting. I talked with Peter Shankman, who on my I've had him on my program several times. And the last time I talked to him, he was talking about his book and how he deals with having adult ADD. And he said for him, he actually needs that you go do X type of statement as opposed to could you, would you please? Because the could you, would you please? He puts off, you know, and and because his mind gets trapped on all these other things and he's doing, you know, focusing on, you know, this, that and every squirrel that comes along. And, and I realize that there are, you know, definitely people like that, where if you say, you know, hey, Mark, would you do this project and get it to me, you know, sometime? You might, you know, with one personality, we get it done this week. And the next personality is going to wait until the absolute last minute and then try and cram it done. And then another personality isn't going to get it done at all because, you know, they needed that structure Or some people really do need that, you know, if you say, could you do this within the next couple weeks, you might be the person that still gets it done right away so that then you can go on to the next project. And so, again, it comes back to knowing what is the best work style for you. Yeah, it's it's interesting. On my Berkman assessment, I am incredibly low change, which means don't interrupt me and don't screw with my schedule. Mm -hmm. And so I now know to do things like, I got rid of Outlook and turned off, and I've done this with several clients where I've turned off the automatic download. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I su- yes, I suffer from squirrel syndrome. Squirrel, squirrel, right? Squirrel. Or, or, or you know, bright, shiny object syndrome. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I know to eliminate distractions. Mm-hmm. Similarly, uh, back in the 1980s, I ran a help desk. I supported about 500 mechanical engineers. I was pulling drafting boards away from mechanical mm-hmm. engineers and putting on big, huge graphic screens. Mm-hmm. And I was constantly being interrupted. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, well, how did I cope with that? Well, I can tell you that when I was working there, uh, I had complete control. Mm-hmm. So when a problem came in, I had total control over when that problem got solved. Mm-hmm. You were a nice person to me. You went to the top of the list. Right. You were a jerk. You went to the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. And for seven years, no one ever questioned that. Right. And it worked perfect. It, and it worked. And I can go back and look at that now and I say, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand why that worked for me. Mm-hmm. But until I did that and suddenly I had these things shoved in my face, I also now know that when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm deep in thought writing a blog post and my wife walks over and interrupts me, mm-hmm. wow, that pisses me off. Right. And she, we now negotiate so she doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. But it's a matter of understanding. And by the way, I could never work in an open office. Mm-hmm. Too many distractions. Oh, God, that would be horrid. Mm-hmm. Right. I would have to go get, you know, go, go get noise-canceling headphones mm-hmm. and put my, build a little tent around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and but by the way, I worked with a product manager. What he, what he learned to do was come in the morning, mm-hmm. work in the, in the open office, doing the mundane things like going through all his email in the morning and doing all the stuff that he could do in his sleep. <clears throat> when he actually had to do concentrative work later in the morning, he went and found a conference room. Mm-hmm. And it's knowing that about yourself and not expecting yourself to say, Oh, I can go in the office, open office and I'll do just fine. Right. No, you won't. And I, I, you know, I, I now know the fact that I can walk into certain situations and go, I'm not mm-hmm. doing that. Right. You know, and, and I'm the opposite. I need that buzz, you know, and, and now granted there are times where it's like, okay, shut off the world and, and focus on this. But I, you know, I, I have a radio on, I have the TV on, I couldn't tell you what it is, you know, what it's playing. I notice if it's not there, you know, I, I don't yeah. like that. And, you know, and, and, and that actually makes it difficult 
to be a, a home office because I don't have you know people talking to me and I don't hear that buzz. And so I tell people that's why I like Facebook because there are people there. You know, there's, there's you know, there, there, you know, I'm not alone. Is you know, and and because you know, my cats will only carry on so much of a conversation with me. But I recognize that that I need kind of that that white noise almost type of thing. And it's funny, I had somebody tell me one time because I always had a radio on, and he was the opposite. He needed silence, and he told me that it was a self esteem issue, and. I just kind of looked at him and started laughing and walked off. It was, you know, because he really had no clue, um, you know, and, and, but for me, I get caught up in my head when it's just silent, you know, and, and, and there's something about that, that noise and that activity that I kind of feed on that, um, you know, and, and, and it, it, you know, it's, it's like we've been saying, you have to know that what type of industry, what type of career, you know, is going to have that. You know, if you're going to interview for a job and you know you're going to be in a bullpen type of area and that's not what you can do, then I'm sorry, don't even interview for it. You know, because they're not going to put you off in a corner office by yourself. Um, you know, and, and so why waste everybody's time? You know, and, and, and it's funny because I think we've all had those job interviews, right, where we go in and there is just something that you know right away, uh-uh, this is not going to work. And, and then sometimes we, we, sometimes we actually take the job, you know, or, you know, we, we continue the process, all these various things, but our gut instinct was this was not going to work. Um, and it's not going to change. I mean, you know, maybe I need that constant din. And then what if I got hired and they said, you are going to go off in a corner and work. Uh, That might work for a little bit, but it's certainly not going to be something that works long term. You know, one of the things that I find is I work with a lot of what I refer to as square pegs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying right? to pound ourselves into we, a round hole. Try and pound into a round hole. And I'm a very much of a square peg. And what happens is through much of our career, we try and fit ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the past, many companies valued generalists. Now we've moved to everyone values specialists. Mm -hmm. And the reality is uh, we're not all specialists. Right. And so what happens is I always claim, I just want you to understand what is that square octagonal hexagonal hole that you're going to fit in Mm -hmm. and how do you detect it? Right. And rather than saying, okay, I'm going to cram myself in there. And, you know, I, I've had a number, I had one client who was uh, very much of an introvert, Mm -hmm. but he really needed to be around people. Didn't need to interact with them. Right. Right. But he liked being around people. Mm -hmm. And so his company closed the offices here in Austin and they told him, I'll just go work from home. Oh, no. Boat employee anyway. And I said, no, you're Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. You are going to find, they are going to pay for a co-working space. Mm Mm-hmm. Similarly, um, uh, I just finished a four-part series on my podcast on can Tim repurpose his career, and I took him mm-hmm. through the process. And one of the key aspects was he needed to be around people a significant amount of time, but he's working at home now. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, you need to go into a coffee shop probably two, three right. times a week. Right. Work in Starbucks. Yes. Just go work mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that you'll be happier. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he suddenly realized, yeah, you're right. I'll be happier doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's identifying those kinds of things that will you know, make you more productive. But mm-hmm. it all comes down to know thyself. Right. And most of us, when we reach our 40s, 50s, and 60s, we don't know ourselves very well anymore. No. Well, and, and it's funny, Mark, because when I was reading your book, you know, you, you wrote this for people who are, as you said, you know, doing the second half of their life. What are they going to do? But there were so many things about your book that struck me as being important to anybody in any stage of their career, even just starting out. And one of the sections I really liked was when you talked about doing research on the companies. 
Um, you know, and, and we tell people that in our career seminars and all those various things. We say, you know, look them up because when you're in the interview, you're going to be asked a question about what do you like about the company and yada, 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 you know, and, and all those various things. But the, what I really liked was when you said, hello, use LinkedIn and find former employees. And that's something that, you know, again, whether you are just starting in that area or, you know, transitioning into it for the second half of your life or, or whatever, those former employees are going to be your absolute best resources to know if it's a company you want to go into. Um, you know, and, and I always share when I'm doing a, a LinkedIn seminar that I was uh, talking with somebody one time who she uh, was thinking of taking a job. She was living in Denver. She was thinking of taking a job in Cleveland. Big change, obviously. Um, and and she was going to be, you know, fairly high up in the company. So it was going to be a relocation and, and all those various things. And so, she, but she reached out to former employees on LinkedIn and said, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so. I have applied for this job. Going to interview for it. What do you think? You know, why did you leave the company? You know, at the very least, she figured people would ignore her. They might lie, you know, and, and because, you know, you never, you, you, you never quite, you know, you don't want to burn those bridges. You never know, you know, you, you hate for somebody to go in and say, well, you know, I talked to Mark and he said this company was horrible, you know, and all these various things. But one of the people that she talked to said the company was in serious financial trouble. And her thought, you know, she, she kind of filtered it. You know, maybe it was, you know, maybe he had a friend who was applying for the same job. You know, maybe he was just bitter, you know, all those various things. But what that did was it made her research even more. And she discovered that, yes, indeed, the company was in financial trouble. They had lost some big contracts. There were kind of a variety of things that were going on. So she still went for the interview and she told them, my research showed me this. And so she got them to agree that if she took the job and the company went under, they would move her back to Denver. Um, you know, and, and now whether they really could do that, you know, all those various things, but they appreciated that she had done her research. She used it as a leveraging tool, you know, and, and all these various things. And, and it, it really did. It took, she sent like three LinkedIn, you know, requests to connect and then follow ups. And, and so she did her research and, you know, I love that because not only was she researching the companies, she knew enough about herself. You know, you know, was she because she'd be doing this on her own? Could she make those steps on her own? Would she be stuck in Cleveland by herself? You know, all these various things. And, you know, it's it really is so important as part of this process that you are figuring out, you know, what what is that next area that you're going into? And is it a good match for you? Yeah, it's I had one client who. And an interview with a company, very sexy company here in Austin, had gone public, and he reached out to three people who had left mm -hmm. and asked, why'd you leave? Mm -hmm. And we got the same response from all three. Toxic work environment. Eek. Got offered the job, turned it down. Mm -hmm. Similarly, I had another client who was interested in a job, and um, the founder is a startup, and the founder had left after about seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. So I knew, I, we found out where he was, I knew the head of marketing where the, the founder was, and we reached out to him, and he basically said, it was time for me to leave. Mm -hmm. Still a good company, no hard feelings, and, you know, you'll find people who have left will very likely give you a better, authentic response. Right. The other thing to think about, and I've been through two major acquisitions, mm -hmm. through two startups, and one of the things I learned is no matter what the culture is before the acquisition, mm -hmm. it will change. Right. Maybe good, maybe bad, it ain't going to mm -hmm. stay the same. Mm -hmm. The whole point is you got to be prepared. Mm -hmm. you got to be ready to move on and know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Now, my first one, my startup was acquired by Lucent. Lucent left us alone. Then Lucent completely imploded. Right. And Does it even exist still? Uh, they, they merged with Alcatel. 
Ah, that's right. The, the interesting one was when they acquired us in 2001, they were 195,000 employees. Mm-hmm. When they merged with Alcatel, they were under 20,000. Oh. They imploded. Mm-hmm. And my second, but we had a really, really good culture. Mm-hmm. The, two, the two guys who started the business really knew what they were doing, and we had great office it was just, it was a great place to work. Mm-hmm. My second startup, well, the culture was skin deep. Mm-hmm. We were acquired and it got ugly fast. Uh-huh. We, I eventually quit when my boss told me to hire the CEO's brother. Oh, no. And I said, no, mm-hmm. it's not ethical. And he told me, mm-hmm. I don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. And you said, yes, I do. Yes. Uh-huh. I, and I gave him a single finger, single finger, single finger salute. And uh, I timed it so that I left. I timed it to the day when I got within 14 days of my next, next vesting period. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I, I just timed it to where I got the most financial reward. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be always prepared. Stuff is going to happen. Right. So this idea that oh, I don't have to worry you know, I'm going to stay here until I retire and that's going to be 10 more years and da 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 da. Today, the average, according to the Bureau and Labor Statistics, BLS, the average employee stays for 4.3 years. Mm-hmm. So, you're not going to be there forever. Right. So, be prepared. Start mm-hmm. looking. You should be always looking. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's funny, you know, you, we talk about thinking about this like dating and marriage. You know, you can you can always look at that menu. You just don't have to order. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's what I tell people. You know, and, and and you know, sometimes knowing what's out there really does make you value what you have. You know, and and or it can show you. You know, here's some negotiation things that I might have. You know, all those various things. So what we're trying to say, folks, is don't live in a bubble. You know, know what is out there and and know what you can transition to if you need to. Yeah, as I said, if you think your job is safe, you yes, you are smoking something and yes, you are inhaling. And right. we're and we're not even in Denver. No, no. Yeah, we're we're in those places where that stuff is still illegal. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, it's you cannot, I, I, I have worked with multiple clients who I like to say are institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And that is, they've been with the company so long, I, the term comes from the uh, Shawshank Redemption. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Where you, you're in prison so long, you don't know any difference. I, mm-hmm. I worked with a couple of clients who came out of um, one of the major telecommunications companies. Mm-hmm. And they had been there well over 30 years. And they were offered a pension buyout. Mm-hmm. And this one woman, I think she was in her mid-50s, been there 32 years. She says, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And, well, she didn't take it. Her boss took it. All her, her entire department took it. And her boss's boss took it. Mm-hmm. So the next year, they offered it again. Mm-hmm. Sweetened it a little bit more. And that's mm-hmm. when she found me. And she says, I don't want to leave. I said, they want you gone. Right. Yeah. You're, you're being shown the door and you're not paying attention. And and, and the buyout was a sweet one. Mm-hmm. And I said, go talk to your financial advisor. Right. Of course, the financial advisor said, you'd be stupid not to take this. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't want to quit working. I don't want to mm-hmm. quit working for these folks. I'm sorry. If you don't take they're, it, they're going to let you go. Right. And you're going to get nothing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like... So you can't live in that bubble mm-hmm. and, and how things were ain't no more. Right, right. Well, Mark, holy cow, we have just scratched the surface on this. And I love talking about this because, you know, as I mentioned, whether it's somebody who is looking for their second life career, you know, or somebody really that's just starting out. I think this is such great information so tell people how they find you and connect with you online. Sure. You can find me at careerpivot.com. You can also find me, you can email me at mark, that's M-A-R-C, my mama knew how to spell, at <laughs> careerpivot.com. 
You can connect me with on LinkedIn at MR Miller. My initials are MR, so my mama gave me those initials so I get some respect. I'm Mr. You're Miller. Right, you're Mr. Miller. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find me on Facebook at, at Career Pivot. You can find me on Twitter at Career Pivot. The book is available on Amazon.com. I should have the audio version out in about a month. Nice. Um, again, you can do that. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. And I recorded it in my closet on my Mac. And, and I use free tools to audio process it. And yes, you can do that. Right. Like this would be my second audio book. Mm-hmm. And, and again, uh, take a look. I'm, I'm just now announcing my, um, my uh, online community for those in the second mm-hmm. half of life. I'm making a bunch of announcements in, over this next month. And you can find my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play as Repurpose Your Career. I love it. Well, Mark, I have been having a fabulous time talking with you. I've been talking with Mark Miller of Career Pivot. I am Deb Creer. And until next week, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.